Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Well, hello again. My name is Sean. I am so glad to have you along for the next 15 minutes. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, I'm really glad to have you as well. We're going to spend 15 minutes, give or take a few, talking about living wisely and faithfully as followers of Christ in this world God has given us to steward and enjoy, but a world that is also very broken and fallen. We just know that. Life comes at us 100 miles an hour. Let's read an article not too long ago, and the author defined our culture as being distracted. And my hunch is that most of you, when you hear me say we are in a distracted culture, would have no problem with that at all, because it's true, we just know it. You can't really make an argument against that statement. We see our distracted culture in so many ways manifest. Two-thirds of all auto accidents are from distracted driving. I mean, how many times have you been driving down the road, come upon an accident, looked over on the shoulder at the cars involved, and it's someone who has rear-ended someone else because they were distracted? We're distracted by technology. The average person between the ages of 25 and 34 spends two and a half hours a day every day on social media. The average teenager spends eight hours a day on social media. The average teenager touches his or her phone screen, hold on now, his or her phone screen 2,617 times every day. Swiping, clicking, pressing, whatever you do with your phone screen, over 2,600 times every day. The average person who's in my age group, kind of between Generation X and the baby boom generation, we spend almost 700 hours a year on email, almost two hours a day every day. We just live in a distracted world. And what I want to talk about today is not how we're distracted, I mean, that's kind of obvious, but why we allow ourselves to be distracted. And maybe even take it a little bit further and ask the question, why do we prefer to be distracted? I've been processing that because I find myself distracted by the trivial and I kind of like it. For example, I can tell you the top 30 prospects in the Pittsburgh Pirates Major League Baseball farm system. They're a bunch of 19-year-olds and I know all 30 of those top prospects. I've just allowed myself to be distracted with that kind of information. What about you? Do you find yourself just kind of allowing yourself to be distracted and maybe even preferring that? And here's what I think. One of the reasons that we allow ourselves to be distracted and prefer it is because reality's hard and the truth can hurt. The truth about who we are, the truth about the lives we are living, the truth about our world. We hear all this information. It overwhelms us. And we think, I just got to check out. I've got to escape. I'm just going to distract myself with whatever I can find. And unfortunately, once we've been distracted, it takes about 25 minutes to refocus. And so if you start to do the math, if you're like me, you realize that a lot of us spend much of our waking life being distracted. Jesus deals with that. 
and in particular deals with the importance of understanding our identity and dealing with the truth about our lives and the truth about him and the truth about the world around us. And so the connection I'm making, if, if you'll hear me, is we like to be distracted. We prefer that so that we don't have to deal with those different truths. And so I want to talk about one of the things he says in John chapter 8. When Jesus says to a group of Hebrews before Abraham, the patriarch, the father of the Hebrew faith, before Abraham was, I am. When Jesus says, I am, of course, he is associating himself with God. Because before, before Jesus' incarnation, there was a man named Moses. And God used Moses to liberate the Hebrews out of slavery. We've talked about this before. If you know your Old Testament, you understand this well. God raises up Moses to liberate the Hebrew people. And Moses says to God, who's speaking through this bush that's on fire but not being consumed by the flames, God says to him, or Moses says to him, okay, who do I say is sending me to liberate the Hebrews from the Pharaoh and the Egyptians? And God says, you tell them I am is sending you. Moses says, come again, I am who I am, is what God says. I am the ultimate reality. I'm the one true God. And so when Jesus says to a group of Hebrew people, before Abraham, your patriarch, the one with whom you identify, before he existed, I am. And so I want to dive into that because he is challenging their assumptions about their own identity. And it gets kind of deep, but let's just take some time and work our way through it. So if you have a Bible, it's John chapter 8. If you don't, I'll read the text. Beginning with verse 31, Jesus says to these people who are thinking, who is this Jesus guy? I'm not exactly sure about him. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's implying that they are enslaved. Well, the people say, we're Abraham's descendants. This is our identity. This is who we are and have never been slaves to anyone. Uh, may I stop there? Never been slaves to anyone. Come again. Have they not read their own book? Does the word Egypt mean anything to you? What about the Assyrians? What about the Babylonians? Even as they were challenging what Jesus said about being enslaved, they were subjects to Rome. I mean, 50 years after this conversation they're having with Jesus, I mean, Rome's going to wipe out Jerusalem, and the, the people of God, the Israelites, are not going to be a nation in that place until 1948, if you know your history. So immediately, they have this image of themselves that's not real. And so they say, Jesus, how can you say that we shall be set free? They don't know that they are slaves. Well, Jesus continues on with that and challenges their identity. He says to them, says to them very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So we're not talking about being a slave in Egypt or to the Assyrians. We're talking about being a slave to sin. And then he continues on. No slave. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or child belongs forever. So he's essentially saying, you're a slave and you do not have a place in the family. So it is the son who sets you free. And if he does, you are free indeed, he continues on. And so he's essentially saying to them, okay, you are slaves to sin. You've got this self-identity. This is who you think you are. Your heritage will not save you. Your heritage, your identity is just not good enough. And so they're processing that. And then he kind of starts to say, okay, 
who is your real father? If God were your father, you'd love me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am equated with the father, for I've come from God. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. In other words, you are so caught up in your identity, so caught up in who you are, so caught up in your accomplishments, your birthright, whatever the case might be, you're in la-la land. You can't even hear what I'm saying to you. Whoever, then he goes on, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. Wow. So now they're really going back and forth. <laughs> then he continues on. Your father Abraham, he saw me, he saw my day coming, rejoiced and was glad. And they said to him, what are you talking about? You're not even 50 years old. So they're having this conversation, they're having this debate back and forth. You're not even 50 years old. <laughs> and you say you've seen Abraham, who's been dead for a thousand years. Jesus answers them, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. They could not wrap their minds around that. This was scandalous. I was here before Abraham. In other words, he's essentially saying, your ultimate source of identity, your ultimate source for meaning, your ultimate source for being justified in front of God is Abraham. I was, I was around before him. That would be like a 20-year-old seminary student saying, you know, I'm a more accomplished preacher than Billy Graham. That's just, that's preposterous. Or someone running for dog catcher in a rural community saying I'm more accomplished politically than Abraham Lincoln. They just could not wrap their minds around it. Because what Jesus is doing is saying, before Abraham existed, I am. I am God. In other words, I was a part of creation. I came way before Abraham. I came way before Moses. He is associating himself with God. And so let's circle back to this whole notion of you and me being distracted. They were completely distracted, unable to hear the truth about Christ, because they did not really understand who they were. They had not processed that. They believed that just their birthright alone made them okay in God's eyes. And I think this story, y'all, really does speak to some of our deepest questions in life. And I want to give you two to think about. One of our deepest questions is, who am I? Think about, what is my identity? So in the text, circle back to verse 33, we are Abraham's descendants and never have we been slaves to anyone. Their identity was wrapped up in their ancestry. And they believed that because of that, they were justified before God. And so they were good. They were fine. No need for grace. No need for mercy. No need for forgiveness. No need for a savior. We're fine. We've got it. This is our identity. And it makes me want to ask you this question. How do you, how do I, how do we justify ourselves to God? When we go to God and we, we, we say, this is my identity, what do we say? God, how are you going to accept me? Well, I'm a good person. I grew up in church. I'm an American. I, there are 2.5 billion Google entries along the subject of, of, of how to find God. In fact, I found one that says how to find God in 13 easy steps. We spend a lot of our time trying to justify ourselves before God saying, this is my identity. This is who I am. God, will you approve of me? 
and throughout human history. Human beings have tried to justify themselves in the presence of God with various sacrifices and religious acts. But what Jesus says is you just can't do it because you are slaves to sin. And so the first thing that occurs to me as you and I deal with the reality of who we are is we admit our need before God and we admit our brokenness. We say, I get all the good stuff I've done. I get who I am. I get the family to whom I was born. I get where I live. I get all that stuff. None of that is going to convert me from slave to child. It's going to take something more. And we get so distracted with all those things that we forget to admit the reality of who we are before God. I remember years ago, I was sitting in a, a hospital um, chat with a hospital chaplain in the, um, oh, what do they call it? The chapel. Golly, just had a mind, you know what, right there. So I was in the hospital chapel. My son was in the hospital. And all my life, I had felt like I could handle everything. I could handle it. I was leading a crazy, wonderful, growing congregation. Um, lived in a home I thought was wonderful. Great life. I just, I was handling it all. And suddenly my son, my only child, was in a very vulnerable situation. And I was not sure what was going to happen. And I remember sitting in that chapel, praying to God through tears, saying, God, I am utterly helpless right now. I'm powerless right here. That's what Jesus is saying to these folks. You think Abraham's going to get it done for you, and he's not. There's, there's more. And so he goes on, he says, Why is my language unclear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You see, all these distractions in our lives keep us from that reality. There was a book published years ago titled Amusing Ourselves to Death. And basically the author said, we spend so much time and energy on leisure and entertainment, we're killing ourselves with that because we're not really dealing with reality. We're just involved in escapism. It's kind of like having a, an ailment that's misdiagnosed and you take a pain pill thinking that's going to make everything go away and just masks the reality, masks the pain, but it doesn't actually solve the issue. So the very first thing is, who am I in life? What is my identity? What Jesus says to us is, all these things we use to identify ourselves as, all these different categories we place ourselves in, we cannot allow those to replace the reality that we stand before a holy God as people who are slaves to sin, and we need a Savior. The other question, the deep question I think that we experience here is how do I know what is true? Because he talks about truth a lot. Isn't that an interesting question? How do you know the truth? I mean, as I speak, there are probably multiple cable news channels covering the very same issue, the very same event, and they are polar opposites in their approach. And if you spend the time and watch all these different cable news outlets, your mind is going to be blown. And you're going to wonder, well, where in the world does the truth lie here? I mean, what is real? What is true? I mean, our number one advisor for truth in the world right now is Google. And, you know, a gazillion times a day, people go to Google to find out what is true, to gain information. And so truth begins to seem like a moving target for us. 
because different people have different interpretations and that's just the world we live in. But there comes a moment when I don't know about you, I got to I got to wrap my arms around an anchor around a rock that I know is true. A lot of us think, well, our feelings tell us what is true. Your feelings, may I be blunt, are not reliable. Neither are mine because our feelings and our moods change. Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the, and the truth will set you free. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus connects himself with the truth. The truth about what? The truth about you and me. The truth about the world we live in. The truth about God. When we begin to walk with him, we see life and see ourselves through the lens of truth. And we begin to see who we really are. When I read the Bible, it's almost like a mirror. It reflects back to me, ooh, this is who I really am. It also serves as a window to see into the heart of God and the nature of God. And I realize there is a God and I am not him. <laughs> and that's a good thing for everyone to know. I know in my own preaching, there, there comes a time, a little inside baseball here. Uh, you know, as a pastor, there are so many different voices coming at you. It's amazing. With different expectations. You know, email from someone, a note from someone, you need to, need to preach on this. Email from someone, you need to preach on this, and it's the opposite of that. <laughs> you cannot imagine what that's like. And it's really kind of fascinating to see where people's hearts are. If you listen to these podcasts or watch Crestview Church online, crestviewchurch.com, you might notice that I spend 99% of the sermon explaining the scriptures and trying to help bring the scriptures to life. Because in my mind, it is the role of the church to equip you and me with that lens to see truth. And truth is not found by diving into different social and political issues that swirl around us all the time. I'm making like a swirling symbol with my finger right now up in the air. That's, that's, not, that's not where truth is found. Truth is found in God's word. Truth is found in Christ, the one who existed before Abraham, Moses, and even creation. Truth is found there. And that's the equipment we need to deal with the life that we lead. And once we start looking through the lens of that, the world takes on an entirely different character. And so as we kind of circle back and get ready to say goodbye, think about the notion of being distracted. And ask yourself, why do I like to be distracted? Could it be that reality is too tough, that finding truth is too tough, that accepting the truth about who you are, just like it's hard for me to accept the truth about I am, who I am, it's just too tough. And maybe just step back and immerse yourself in the good news that Jesus has come to forgive us, to love us, to give us grace and to give us mercy. Therefore, we don't have to rely on any other source for our identity, we don't have to justify ourselves in any other way. We've been justified in Him. We are no longer a slave, but we are now a child. Hey, I hope you have a great week. I look forward to next week. You take care. Bye.